Shalom and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. I'm still processing. I was here at Temple Saturday night for a simcha and Sunday morning, flew to Israel this week just for three and a half days and arrived home a few hours ago. I went with 20 Reform rabbis from across the United States and Canada to convey our support to some of the Israeli Reform rabbis and conservative rabbis. We met with displaced families in Jerusalem, hostage families in Tel Aviv, and we brought home messages our Israeli brothers and sisters want you to know, including an awareness of what really happened. Take Far Aza, a kibbutz on the Gaza border. Uh, You can see it circled next to the Gaza Strip. Some 900 people, there's a three-year wait list just to move into this beautiful, peaceful kibbutz. 68 residents were murdered. 18 were abducted on October 7th. It took five days for the Israeli army to regain control of this kibbutz. 50 Israeli soldiers lost their lives battling Hamas terrorists just on that one kibbutz. As our group of rabbis walked through the row of houses reserved for the young adult community, we made our way past burnt houses scarred with bullet holes. The radical Muslim Hamas terror group not only carried maps of Israel's military installations, but of this residential neighborhood within binocular sight of the border fence. Hamas even monitored which families left for the weekends and which did not. And nearby the the massacre at the Nova Music Festival left a graveyard of cars, booms of artillery shells thundered nearby. The sound of helicopters and jets roared over our heads. Gunfire rang out in the distance. You could see the dark clouds of smoke over Gaza. Never had any of us drawn so close to war. This attack was not a sudden assault. It was eight years, eight years in the making. And Hamas didn't just attack kibbutzim on the border. They traveled very deep into Israel, sending organized groups of terrorists to far-flung cities you may not have ever heard of, like Ofakim, a poor city 12 miles west of Beersheba, where Hamas massacred two groups without any knowledge of the internet. These groups couldn't even follow warnings of what was going on. They massacred disadvantaged Ethiopian Jews and ultra-Orthodox Jews. They killed Arab Israelis, too. It didn't matter what you look like. If you were in the Jewish state, according to the ghastly Hamas ideology, it was God's will to slaughter you. 77 days. It's a long time 
for our short attention spans. Do you even remember what you were doing days after Yom Kippur? I mean, we're all thinking about New Year's one week from Sunday, right? It hit me how everyone outside of Israel moved on from October 7th, what happened. While it's impossible within Israel to move on from October 7th, when you walk to kibbutz whose fences and fields had lots of Gazan workers whom the terrorists were using as spies the whole time. It hit me walking with Gon uh, right there, one of the young kibbutz heroes who not only hid his seventh-month-old son and wife, but who defended his part of the kibbutz with one eye. He lost his other eye in a previous war, and he took out terrorists where there were 200, 200 roaming that kibbutz, murdering women, men, children. It hit me as Gon showed us the houses where 65 and 70-year-old couples were forced to drive their cars through the fence the terrorists had pierced in 10 places, creating a highway to Gaza to the tunnels a mile away. It hit me as Gon showed us houses where families were burned alive inside, but their sukkahs are still in place, frozen in time as a reminder that all this happened on Simchat Torah at the end of Sukkot. We've all, seems like so long ago, there it's frozen in time. Simply put, October 7th was meant to be a glimpse of what Israel's destruction would look like. Israel on October 8th onward, it's not only forever different from what any of us think of. The main thing that shattered or cracked was the illusion of security. My Israeli sister, who's on faculty at Tel Aviv University, put it this way to me over a very late night dinner after my flight landed on Monday night. The world, she said, only gave us grace for three days, but has already minimized the unprecedented reality here caused by Hamas, including our response to their threat to our day-to-day lives. It wasn't the West Bank they built massive tunnels to destroy. It was for where peace-loving Israelis lived. She continued, we all have nightmares, but we are still living the nightmare of nightmares from October 7th. By the way, I woke up the next morning, the next day the sirens went off in Tel Aviv as everyone headed for the closest shelter. And we get to thank God, uh, thank you for the Iron Dome, America. It took out the one over us. Our visit to the rabbinic army base where soldiers who fall in battle are identified and prepared for burial was deeply emotional. The funeral home of the Israeli Defense Forces, if you will, is designed to care for the bodies of at most 15 fallen soldiers. It was suddenly forced to handle thousands. So many victims arrived from the Nova Music Festival alone, they had to put the bodies in refrigerator trucks meant for food and milk 
Soldiers also arrived in refrigerated trucks, dead after heated battles in Gaza. We shed tears, we rabbis shed tears in the rooms where family members say their goodbyes before loved ones are sent for burial when they're identified by the family. One family had just left the room we were in, euphemistically called the separation room. The grief and tears that room witnessed, overwhelming. And nearby, in a room filled with rows and rows of Torah scrolls ready to be sent to IDF bases, a scribe struggled to see if a Torah scroll wounded by a missile attack in the north and pockmarked with shrapnel could be restored. We watched as the scribe removed pieces of shrapnel embedded in the parchment. My friend described it as wounded Torah, defiant spirit. My psychology and psychiatrist friends have taught me the difference between trauma and progress with PTSD. You know you're making progress with PTSD when you can look back on a life-scarring event and say, that was then, this is now. Israel is not in post-trauma. Israel is still in deep trauma. As troops like this Golani Brigade, we send support to prepare to fight Hamas in South Gaza, literally going there after Shabbat ends. Or like the rabbi in the city of Sterot, I don't have a photo of him, but it's where the police station was overrun, you remember, in Sterot by 26 terrorists. This rabbi was shot in his back um, outside as he arrived early to set up Simchat Torah services at his synagogue next to the police station. The bullet exited his body out the front. As he lay bleeding, he made it into the synagogue on the floor. The first congregant arrives, walked in, not knowing what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. He sees the rabbi on the floor and says, Rabbi, what are you doing on the floor? And he says, I'm bleeding from a bullet. The synagogue member couldn't believe it, but when he saw the rabbi literally bleeding out, they jumped in his car, they dodged the terrorists, and after two weeks in ICU, the rabbi survived to meet us, as well as other city leaders, to share what happened via actual police video footage of the attack. 50 Sterot citizens were killed in this city, which, like Ofakim, is way far away from all the border kibbutzes you're seeing in the news and that we had visited earlier. I led a commemorative moment on that massacred kibbutz and noted how the orange trees behind us and beautiful flowers in time will eventually mask the river of blood below and destruction being cleaned up. Nature just watches what happens. It's like Auschwitz on a beautiful spring day. You would never know. Nature just watches. And that is why human atrocities must be addressed by human acts of courage because the earth does not remember the evil it hosts. We must take it upon ourselves to do so. So where is the hope? 
in people like Adir Schwartz, who like local and global difference maker Fred Smith, is using wartime to mobilize civil society to help one another. I mentioned Fred Smith because it was his Vietnam years and the inefficiencies he witnessed among his servicemen and others experiencing war that influenced the concept of FedEx. And Adir Schwarz, age 29, the youngest member of the Jerusalem City Council, leader of the next gen, conceived the Jerusalem Civil Coordination Center in a five-story film school in the heart of Jerusalem based on one core value, kavod ha'adam, human dignity. So while the massacre was unfolding, realizing the scale of devastation, this 29-year-old rallies clinical social workers, psychologists for emotional support, equipment for soldiers, move on from that one, um, 40,000 40, hot meals delivered by thousands of volunteers. He has helped the displaced people in Israel let me give you a statistic. You'll remember this. There are 25,000 displaced people in Jerusalem alone in 63 hotels. What do you do with the elder people? He found people in gerontology to develop activities for the elderly, activities for the teens, fighting boredom in hotel rooms since they can't go home. There's a clothing store. I think I got that. Now, this is not Goodwill. These are high-quality designer clothes for the evacuees who fled in their pajamas. Remember, it was a Saturday morning. Evacuees come to this community hub to come and take whatever they want. There's even a floor for children to stay and play. Helping soldiers um, is a focus of the center since the Jerusalem community has been hit hard by the war. 10% of the soldiers killed are Jerusalemites, 20% of the injured. Um, By the way, he respects government as a rising politician, but government isn't nimble, can't move fast, right? Government is a bureaucracy. It's the way it's set up. Can't address people's immediate needs. Plus, in Israel, everyone in government had to enlist. So what does this center do? It has shown what the people in civil society can do when they become one mobilizing effectively, coming together, doing what governments cannot do, civil society at its best. Friends, we Jews are a people of 3,000 years of history, each of our lifetimes, or a great synagogue like this one, it's at best a line in that history. October 7th, is an entire page. Hamas wrote the first paragraph. Adir said, 1,200 Jews murdered in their homes, in their beds on the same day. Thousands more maimed, hundreds kidnapped. That's the first paragraph of four. The IDF is writing the second paragraph. We hope that will restore safety and security for Israel's citizens. The third paragraph, it's you and me, us, the unity of the Jewish people from Memphis to Israel through this nightmare of nightmares. You know, the thing about war and terrorism is that it's totally random. It can happen to anyone. Another feeling during wartime is 
that you're all alone. And that beautiful man said, we never felt alone because of you. We know that we have family in you, brothers and sisters who have our backs. And don't underestimate that, he said. It's made an impact 100%. That you came here just to say that you're with us is no small thing. Take that message home to your synagogue, I was told. Tell your people, even if they're not going to Israel anytime soon, to stay proximate however you can, because we need each and every one of you. That's the third paragraph, our unity as a people. The fourth is the unwritten paragraph, the tikkun, the repair, the recreation of the Jewish people, and the message leader after leader wanted me to bring back after thanking us embarrassingly for coming. It was awkward. He wanted, uh, they wanted us to, to, to share that every Jewish person can be a part of that recreation of the Jewish people as we create together a tikkun, a future for our people. I want to close with um, another reminder of hope. Um, an amazing moment that happened just yesterday. 77 days after the massacre, I know you're aware of this. Hamas definitely is. That's the only thing they have right now. 129 hostages still in captivity. 77 days after the massacre. We need to continue raising awareness of the hostages and their families. Thousands of Israelis from every sector are helping the hostage families and families of missing persons in Tel Aviv, providing medical care, legal care, reaching the Red Cross if they can, EU, the White House. So yesterday, we spent alone time with hostage families. And I walked into the tent where the families are, and I was introduced to the father of, yeah, or here's a better picture of Omri Miran. Now, I knew the story of Omri. You could look him up later. His friend's abduction from Kibbutz Niroz, forced by the terrorists to drive his car into Gaza to spare his wife and children. The terrorists were about to kill his wife and children. And his wife said, please, please. And... I suppose I was overcome um, to be with his dad, who I met, Danny, the parent of that 46-year-old kidnapped Israeli, the dad, himself a heroic soldier, I'm not making this up, he was part of the brigade that liberated the Western Wall in the 1967 Six-Day War. He put the Israeli flag on top of the Kotel, that was his battalion. Danny, the father, the same father who lost his wife tragically 32 years before, never remarried. So I walk into the tent, and I guess I, I look sad. I, I was overcome. And the photographer accompanying our rabbinic group caught the moment when Danny, Omri's father, he asks me in Hebrew, Rabbi, why is your face sad? He says, I need you and I need myself to be strong. 
I need to be reminded that we are a strong people. Because this sweet father, whose son, 46 years old, he hasn't heard from in 77 days, he says to me, and I'm holding back the tears at the time, he says, because when my son comes home, I don't want him to see his dad bent over and all sad. You, Rabbi, must be strong. I held back even more tears. This was just last night. And I said to him, okay, Danny, that's what I'll do. For Omri's sake, for your sake, for the sake of Israel and the Jewish people, let's sing. We will sing and stay strong. We can, and somehow we must. Amen.